Welcome to Built in the Peach State. I'm your host, Marcy Heath. This podcast is all about the creation of products in the Peach State. We're going to have conversations about all the peachy products and the people who make those stories just peachy. So let's dive in. Hi, and welcome to Producing the Peach State. We are delighted to have my good friend Robin Worley with us today. Robin, thank you so much for chatting with us today. For our listeners who aren't acquainted acquainted with you, tell us about yourself and your business background. Well, it's my pleasure, Marcy. Um, So I I, I grew up as a Bremen boy, and I went to Auburn University, and and, uh, Warren Stull Sr. was my grandfather. So when I came out, I I went immediately to work at the Stull Companies and began working my way up. I did a variety of um, of jobs there. I started in sales, traveling in northern Alabama, and then I became a sales manager, and then I became the chief financial officer, and then finally I served for 25 years as the CEO of the Sewell Companies. Yeah, so let's and, talk about Sewell's a little bit. So what did it mean to a small rural town's economic development? Well, my grandfather started this way back in 1918, and, and he really brought people off their farms and, and gave them an option for a better life for their families. And uh, he went to New York to try to learn how to make make suits and sport coats. And he came back and he chose the, the town of Bremen because of the railroad crossing. And that's how he transported most of the garments back then. So, uh, uh he did that, and then in World War II, we stopped to make uh, officers' uniforms for the military. And then um, later, in the early 70s, it was actually estimated that six out of every 10 suits made in the West uh, were made in the, out of the West Georgia area. We, If you take all the companies, there was a total employment of over 10,000 employees and the estimate was that we made about 25,000 garments per week. So it was, a, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. So Threads and Liberty Legends, let's talk about those companies and why you started those. Okay. You know, it was around the early 90s where uh, they passed just a terrible law of NAFTA, which was... Uh, which was a trade agreement that basically destroyed all the small communities and all the mill towns, uh, not just in tattered clothing, but it sent all the American jobs offshore, sent them off into third world countries. And, and uh, it, it really, it, it certainly destroyed the clothing industry, but it also destroyed all the small business owners across this country. And, and especially in the small Mill, mill towns across America. So uh, it was about 2011, my good lifelong friend Randall Redding and I, we saw this happen to the town of Bremen and Bowden in the West Georgia area. We saw it go down and it bothered both of us. Um, and soon after, after that, I, I started Threads Custom Tailoring. I'd retired from the the, uh, being the CEO, and I still kept my hand in doing custom tailoring. And I was at lunch with Randall, and he said, uh, Robin, I want to start a, a, a concert venue. 
and I'm thinking about calling it Milltown Music in honor of all the small mill towns. And I said, well, that's, that's a great idea. And how can we incorporate tailored clothing into it? And we began Liberty Legends USA. So that was where we we gathered some of the Nashville stars. We we began working with uh, Larry Gatlin of the Gatlin Brothers, uh, Dwayne Allen of the Oak Ridge Boys, um, General Gary Harold, who was the commander of Operation Black Hawk Down that some people may have known of. And um, we started making garments for some of the country music stars. And they were all made in USA. And that's what we started promoting. And uh, for 10 years, we, we did a pretty good job of it. I think things, uh, uh, it brought awareness to it. And this is before really uh, other people were talking about Made in USA. So we were one of the early ones to ring the bell to bring good paying jobs back to America. So now, um, Liberty Legends, is that is that accessible all over the United States? It, it is. I've got a website up, and, and we, uh, we, we, we still uh, do some business with the country music stars, but, but I, I, I sell clothing now through Threads Custom Tailoring, which is you can get that online, and, and we do some of that. And, and I work with other, um, other pretty cool people, um, you know, world champion Evander Holyfield, I'm his tailor, and Governor Mike Huckabee, uh, I've outfitted him, and and I'm really good friends with a magnificent man, Ambassador Andrew Young, um, and uh, just tremendous man. And uh, so you meet some really nice people doing some of the things I'm doing. Yes, definitely. So what are three things you have learned over the years about being a CEO? Well, I got about 10 things, but <laughs> if you keep it 30... <laughs> Is you know I started I, about age forty I started diversifying Marcy and and I started twelve uh, different businesses and some of them worked and some of them didn't work mm-hmm. one of one of them that worked very well was um, a nuclear welding company that we ended up uh, going international and we sold it and did well and but some of these businesses Marcy didn't work not every one of them worked. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I learned really about a CEO and the company itself is you better begin on a solid foundation with solid business principles. I started two or three companies that didn't make it. And I look back at at what happened. Something was wrong with the foundation. I did not set it up correctly. Something wasn't right. So you always want to... uh, to make sure that before you start investing and hiring people that you have a good plan and you've got solid business principles uh, to make that plan achievable. That would be the first thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second thing is you got to put the right people in the right seats. Uh, So many times, if if you don't love what you're doing, you're not going to be very good at it. But if you do love what you're doing, then that's going to create the energy for that person to do a good job. And you can't be good at everything, Marcy. I mean, that's Michael true. Jordan was the greatest basketball player in the world, but he didn't make it in baseball. Mm-hmm. So you got to want to put the right people in the right seats. And then the third thing I would say is I'm a big proponent on the law of timing. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that if you do the right action – 
but it's the wrong timing, then you're, you've made a mistake. If you do the, if you do the right action at the wrong time or the right act, wrong action at the right time, you're going to get resistance. So either one of those don't work. But if you do the right action at the right time, then you've got a really good chance of it working. And certainly you don't want the wrong action at the wrong time or you're going to have a disaster on your hands. Right. So talk a little bit, a little bit about the I Lead Authentic Leadership Program. Well, we did for a while. I, I did teach authentic leadership principles to different corporations and, and some in some high schools and some others. And, um, and I think a lot of people like to take the title leadership, but they might not know what leadership really means. And so we taught a program on authentic leadership, which really brought forth what leadership is and what are those characteristics, what are those competencies or skills that you need. And um, it probably begins with teaching that the DNA of leadership, the very basic form of leadership, is that all leaders take risk. Mm -hmm. It may not be always financial. It may be within the family, risking your reputation, risking uh, uh, being hurt by other people. But but leadership, I think leadership, you're taking a risk. And and when you want to lead someone, you can't browbeat them. That's not how you do it. If you really want to be successful, you want your people wanting to follow your lead. I I remember my grandfather, walking me through the plant years ago, Marcy, and he uh, he knew everybody's name, mm-hmm. and he would stop and speak to everyone, and and there was never a union that came in. Um, my grandfather always paid higher wages, and, and so there was never a reason for the people not to be happy, and in 1948, he actually started the Warrensville Foundation, which has now given away over $14 million to the West Georgia community. And uh, uh, people want to be with people they like. And that's true of whether you're leading a company or whether you're trying to make a sale. Um, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not a nice person, you're acting like a jerk, sooner or later that's going to catch up with you. Exactly right. Exactly right. Was there anything else you would like to share with us today? Uh, no, I just encourage the young people, uh, though, to read, uh, study authentic leadership. Take, take, uh, read some of the examples of some of the other people. I mentioned people like Ambassador Andrew Young. Um, I, I'm promoting a book now with a, a friend of mine called Black Man, White Industry. And it's all about how a, a black man came to the South, which was basically all white, and he sold us more fabric than anybody else during our heyday. Well, how was he able to do that? Well, he had solid principles, but the book also talks about basically everybody liked Don Martin and uh, people buy from people they like. That is it. So be a good, that's it. Be a good person. Mm -hmm. Well, Robin, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us today. I know our listeners will find it very informative. To all of our wonderful listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Until next time, have a peachy day. Thank you, Robin. My pleasure, Marcy. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Produced in the Peach State. We appreciate you listening. 
If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe where you consume podcasts and leave us a review. Until next time, have a peachy day.